Hello and welcome back to She's In Focus, the podcast dedicated to inspiring and empowering female filmmakers and videographers from all walks of life and on every step of their creative journey. I'm your host, Kel Grant, an inspiring filmmaker from New Jersey who is just trying to turn my passion into something more and connect with amazing women who have the same passion for video, one of those being Meg Igarashi, a freelance filmmaker and YouTuber who has quite an interesting filmmaking origin story that really began with an internship. On Meg's YouTube channel, you can find short films, vlogs, music and dance videos, and much more, calling in all the way from Tokyo to walk us through her journey. Meg, thank you so much for being here. Yay! Thank you so much, Kel. It's an honor to be here, and I'm so excited to be on the podcast. (laughs) Perfect, perfect. We're so excited to have you. So it is 9 p.m. here in New Jersey, but it is morning over there in Tokyo. Yeah, And I want to... It's 10 a.m. over there? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. So um, I want you to tell us how you how you ended up in Japan, all the way over there, because I understood you lived in the States for quite some time. Uh, and your location, that defines a lot of, uh, of what you do and the type of work that you do over there. So if you could just tell us how you ended up over there, that'd be great. Awesome. I was born in Massachusetts. And I lived in like Quincy, Billerica, Abington, Beverly. So I moved around to Massachusetts. And then I mm-hmm. moved to Tokyo, when I was around 14 years old and the reason I came wasn't so happy but like I'm yeah I just had like my parents my parents were kind of going through a separation and then mm-hmm. um yeah like my dad didn't really want to pay for like the rent and stuff because I guess he was like overworked so like me and my mom sure. kind of got kicked out of home and then we had to move to Tokyo forcefully and At the time, I really wasn't happy about it because I was like a teenager and I thought my life was over and I was like, my friends are everything and school is (laughs) so fun and I couldn't speak Japanese at all. So Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to a a country that I don't speak the language of. And I'm like, whoa, there's like, I think I grew up around like, I guess a lot of more like, I don't know, like white people, I guess. And then when I, know pe- the when I came, yeah, like when I came to Japan, I was like, oh my gosh, like so many Asians, and they think I can speak Japanese because I look Japanese and I have a Japanese name. And I'm like, oh my gosh, people just think I'm a dumb Japanese person. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like kind right. of afraid to like leave the house because I couldn't really understand and like talking to people was scary. Not because I don't want to talk to people, just because I couldn't speak the language. But then, yeah, should I keep going? Like, yes, please. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, as soon as I started school, I guess it got better. And like, I guess the motivation for learning Japanese wasn't like, I want to study hard, but like, I want to make friends. So I think speaking Japanese became not too hard in the sense where I was just like practicing all the time, trying to speak to my classmates or friends. And mm-hmm. at the time, apparently they couldn't really understand me, but I was just like speaking any Japanese I know and I think they were just so nice that they never really told me like I can't understand you Meg they just like tried to (laughs) figure out because like later on like years passed like yeah like so many years have passed and like my friends have been like I actually couldn't really understand you at that time so I'm like what (laughs) (laughs) well I guess that's kind of nice of them to not like point it out but I wonder how much they missed (laughs) yeah I'm like what are all the conversations that I'm that you guys were like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you guys are totally understanding me. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know from what point to what point I was able to, like, 
real have real conversations with people but that's kind of how I learned Japanese and I went to like a Japanese school for a while this this mm-hmm. gets kind of confusing but I went to a Japanese school for a while and I couldn't understand anything and they didn't really teach me anything so I wasn't learning Japanese for like I wasn't learning period for like a few years wow and and I think because I wasn't learning anything in school that's how I got into video because I just had time well not like I guess I guess I just wasn't working hard at school and I thought I would go back to the states so I was kind of in like a dramatic like why even bother I don't like my life here I don't want to stay here and I guess that's one of the reasons why I got into video too and when I was in the states kind of going back and forth when I was in the states I did a lot of theater musical theater Mm mm-hmm And I like to, like, entertain people. I also got into, like, a little bit of acting. And I guess that's, like, one of the the career paths that I was, like, I guess aiming for when I was a kid. And then moving to Japan and, like, making videos was, like, something that was, like, kind of like that in a sense. Kind of like musical theater, kind of like acting. And I did a little bit of musical theater in Japan. But just, it's really hard to do theater because it goes, you have to do it to their schedule and you can't really have your own life in a sense like you just have to go to the rehearsals that they ask you to do and it's hard to like do part-time jobs when there's like a set schedule for them and I just Mm -hmm. realized like it's really hard to do and I'm not making money any money from it and I need to start making money so I guess like making videos was that like really awesome thing where I could still be creative I could still act I can do my own thing at my own time so it just seemed like the perfect new hobby that I was able to grow in school when I wasn't really studying (laughs) yeah absolutely it was a way to have that creative outlet because when you moved I mean not only was your I'm sure you were going through a through a bunch of stuff with your home situation but then you're you're thrust into this new environment you're feeling kind of like an outcast because you're not you're not really speaking the language although you're trying and you know you're around that time that you're entering high school did you start high school back in the states and then had to transfer to a high school of some sort in japan yeah i think i started like jap japan and in the states have like different school system so i think freshman in the states is still like middle school third year in japan so i started from middle school third year in japan okay okay so you had to i mean moving during any time in your your school education in your education you know at at any time is a challenge so in a new country in a new environment um yeah I could I could imagine you were you were kind of just looking for that I guess a bit of familiarity and I guess hopefully video was able to do that for you because it was it was part of the arts that you were so accustomed to with musical theater and with acting yeah I really yeah it was just so much fun I remember like watching like youtubers and i'd be like i want to be like i want to be just like you guys or like create content that just is fun (laughs) right and you ended up being just like them anyway because you you started your own youtube channel but that was um that was a few years after that i'd imagine because when i when i was looking at your your youtube channel i scrolled all the way back to the first video and i found that that was recorded when you were 18 but were you publishing content or or doing any YouTube style videos before that? I actually had my first channel before that. So that was like 
I've made so many channels because I'm very indecisive <laughs> and I don't know what I'm right. doing. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I had like my first channel that was called The Meg Eye Show. And I made that when I was, I think, 15 years old. And then... Awesome. Um, yeah. And then I started like the copyright thing started happening. So then I started making like a music video channel and a vlog channel. I like trying to separate all the content content and I haven't deleted the channel. So I think all the channels are somewhere and I'm and I'm hoping to find them and maybe delete the content because the ran the content's <laughs> super random. But then I That's think so funny. Yeah, like a few years later I was like, I wanna make another channel where I put everything on the same channel and make better content or like change it up a little bit and then i started a channel called meg is a pokemon which has now become my name meg igarashi <laughs> yes yes i saw that so when what was the difference between i guess starting this channel that you currently have and the ones that you were making when you were when you were a bit bit younger like what was that kind of mental shift do you did you start taking it in a sense like more seriously when you were 18 and you started this Meg is a Pokemon channel? I guess I was a bit, I mean, I don't know if I can say mature, but maybe in my head I thought I was a little bit more mature. And then looking back at the content I made when I was like 15, I was like really spazzy, really loud. And I'm <laughs> like, wow, I can't do that anymore. Like watching that now, I'm like, wow, I really can't do that anymore. But I think even at 18, I was like, this isn't me anymore. And I wanted to make a new channel. And I think I was getting more serious into filmmaking or making videos. Like I wanted to do, yeah, more, more in some kind of, way not really sure I I don't think I was like really aiming to be a filmmaker at that time but I just knew I really loved making videos and if I could do any jobs making videos I thought that would be great and I just wanted to make more videos that I wanted to make and not just like just really random content which was <laughs> right right having more of a, a little bit more of a strategy to it I guess <laughs> yeah so what what would you say your skill level was when you started this this Mega Pokemon channel, because I was watching the video and like you had some, you had the cut like the comedic timing down, you had some <laughs> some graphics there, so you had some some basic like fundamental skills. Yeah, I'm trying to remember because it was a while ago, and yeah, I'm was, I'm 27 now, so this is like a long time ago. But right. um, oh, what was it? I think in 2015 I only used iMovie 09, and then mm -hmm. I think maybe. From 2018, I might have already invested in Final Cut Pro. So maybe I started, like, getting more serious into it. But I haven't... Right. Yeah, I didn't get into, like, really professional software yet. But that's what I'm thinking. Just, like, trying to do a little bit more. But, right, right. Yeah, I think... Okay. I guess, like, you get better at videos because you just, like, make a ton. And I think when I was yeah. 18, I already probably made... I'm guessing probably more than like 300 videos at that time already just wow. just for fun like not it's not like all yeah. like polished videos but I think I just made videos all the time so right I'm sure I made like a ton of videos by that time even though I never had any professional training and I think even at that time I wasn't really trying to like grow so I don't think I looked at tutorials and stuff I think I was just like edit 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 just for fun and then yeah yeah I mean I think that kind of made me better of course, yeah, just kind of figuring it out as you were as you were going. But I guess there there came a point when you were like, okay, I want to do this a little bit more seriously and gain some filmmaking skills. So enter the the internship. 
that um, because I for a while I believe your name was Meg the intern was that were you going by that because I yeah. saw that somewhere and I can't remember where <laughs> it's probably my email <laughs> right right exactly that's it um, so you get this internship um, so just t- tell us about that because I believe you were how old at the time 19 19 spot on mm-hmm. so yeah. how did you get that so I found the video internship for a video production on Craigslist and I actually applied but because I, but um, when I sent in my resume, they told me, oh, do you want to be a video host? Because I had so much acting experience and I didn't have any video editing or video production experience professionally. And I've only, I only had my YouTube videos. That was right. the only thing I could really show. So I said, sure, I'll apply to be a video uh, host. And Mm -hmm. then I sent in my video. They wanted me to come in for an interview. I went in for an interview. And then they tested my Japanese because it was for a Japanese host. And then they're like, oh, her Japanese level isn't high (laughs) enough to be teaching Japanese because that would be my role. Like teaching Japanese in English would be the role. So obviously I had the English down, but teaching Japanese is not something I could have done. But they still took me as a video production video production intern. Oh, wow. So it ended up working out for you. Yeah. Anyway. I got the job I applied for, but they interviewed me to become something else. But I think after meeting me and after knowing that I'm interested in making videos, I guess they were like, yeah, you can still join. I don't know how, but <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad somehow I was able to get in. But yeah. Yes, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about the videos that you were creating for your internship. Um, yeah, we made lots of different videos. I think when I first joined, we made videos about different holidays from all around the world. We had so many languages that we made videos about. And then as I started, as I kept working there, we started making like top 10 phrases or like top 10 yeah top 10 travel phrases top 10 ways to say hello like totally like Mm -hmm. lots of lots of different things there was like a three minute series of like intro like introducing the language or like yeah like saying your like how to how to greet someone how to talk about your age like lots of different topics and we made videos about lots a lot of videos about language and culture that's awesome. Did you learn a lot on the job, both in your video production skills, but also your Japanese? Japanese? No, not really. Because I think um, in the beginning, I was like, I'm going to learn Swahili. I'm going to learn French, like all these like cool languages right. that I would be making <laughs> videos about. But I think as you make videos, you just need to kind of finish the job. And mm-hmm. I think you just kind of get used to it that I'm like, I can't be like really like getting all the content like really learning everything and getting everything finished as fast as I as I can but I wanted to learn I mean I'm sure I've learned some things but not as much as I wish wish I learned um and also for editing or like video production I definitely learned a lot on the job Mm-hmm. I was it was my first time to use Premiere Pro and After Effects. After oh. Effects was so overwhelming because they didn't really teach me anything. The company didn't they just really threw teach you me. in there. Yeah, I think it was more of like, here's the project and 
figure out how to do it less and and not so much training because it was mm-hmm. also a quite a pretty quiet office so it wasn't mm-hmm. really like everyone's like loud and training you it's more kind of like everyone's sitting at their desk with their headphones on and just like clicking away <laughs> although it was an american company and everyone was really nice but it wasn't mm-hmm. really like yeah like there was never like a training period really it was just kind of like do it <laughs> right so after yeah. effects was so hard for me at the beginning really really overwhelming and i was like like pre comps, I was like, where did it go? Like, what does this mean? <laughs> and, oh, yeah. seriously. Yeah, I, I I avoid After Effects if I can, like the plague, because it is just yeah, for yeah, someone yeah. who has no, if you don't have like the proper mentor or, or guidance, because I'll look up YouTube videos about certain things to do in After Effects. I'm usually able to follow follow it when someone walks me through it. But if I were to just open up the program, I would not even know where to begin. <laughs> I remember we had like lots of tests where we had to prep a project because I wasn't really doing the full motion graphics in AE and I would be the one that's like prepping the project for the next person to do the full animation. Mm -hmm. But even that, I was like, how did it move like one per frame over? And then like, because it just moved one frame, I'm like, everything's off timing and I don't know how to (laughs) fix it. And I think I didn't know so many shortcuts at that time either. So everything would be like, I'm trying to fix it like manually and yeah it was a mess and also premiere pro was like a little bit hard at the beginning but i think yeah premiere pro was much easier for me and more like final cut pro or more like imovie 09 where as long as i know how to cut like i can still do my job where like after effects i'm like i don't even know what this (laughs) is like what am i supposed to be doing but yeah yeah totally (laughs) totally so you were you gained some technical skills, uh, no matter how challenging it may have been in video production. So for did sure. this internship solidify your passion for, for filmmaking and creating videos? Did you find that it kind of it added to it? Yeah. I mean, I think just making the YouTube videos for fun was how I found my passion for making videos. I was like, wow, mm-hmm. this is so much fun and you can make ideas come to life and you can do whatever you want and like yeah. be whoever you want. And I just really enjoyed it. And I think that was like the first space of like, wow, this is something I want to keep doing. And then I think working at a company and doing it, I'm like, whoa, I could actually make money out of doing something <laughs> I love. So I guess that was like the next step of like, like getting more confident and like, realizing that I could actually make a career out of this than just doing it solely for fun. Yeah, absolutely. So after your internship, did this experience and position kind of open up any other opportunities? Um, I mean, after, I think in less than a year, I became a full-time at the company. So oh, wow. that led to like an actual job, which was right. awesome. And I also got paid as an intern, which was also a great great part-time like part-time job to have um Mm -hmm. but yeah I think that led to a career and I was a full-time full-timer at the company for a few years and then after that I became a freelancer and I still worked for the company as a freelancer but also started doing other jobs right right so take us through so you you finished this internship experience and it sounds like it was kind of uh really a uh jumping off point for you being a stepping into the professional world of video production and filmmaking. So tell us about your your freelancing endeavors. Did you, when you first start out to set out to freelance, did you kind of launch your own company? How did you go about that? 
I think I just like was kind of getting bored at the company I was working at and the tasks became quite repetitive Mm. so I was just like I want to become a freelancer and I didn't really have so much planned but I think at that time even when I was already a full-timer I was already slowly starting to do freelance jobs and I don't think my company was against it at all and Mm -hmm. then I guess like yeah little by little I did more and more freelance jobs but I think at the beginning I didn't start a company or anything I still don't have a company but um I just had like yeah I just had some clients already and then I was still working for the company that I was working for so it was kind of already like I always had like a crutch where like it's like even if I don't have freelance jobs I could actually right. work at this company with very flexible hours and I think at one point they were just like you can work as many hours as you want at that company I'm like that's amazing <laughs> and like I would just be paid for what I worked in that's it and like if I want to do another job I could do another job and I thought that was like the best thing where I'm like oh I don't have to be worried about like not getting jobs and still I can have the flexibility to do all the jobs I want so I was really happy with that yeah it sounds like the best of both worlds with that with that situation so do did clients at this point find you from your your YouTube channels or or how did how were they were they finding you did you have a website up or were you actively seeking clients? I think a lot of it was just connections, which is like, I know not very helpful for <laughs> other filmmakers. And I don't really want to say like connections or everything. But yeah, I think a lot of my friends were just like, oh, you want to do this job? And like, I've, and when I say connections, they could literally be anything. I know I did get a job from my YouTube channel. Like, I remember. So there's like a pretty famous YouTuber in Japan and um I was like tweeting her like I want to make a video like this can I kind of get the like can I kind of copy the idea and like of course like credit them but I just wanted the permission to kind of do their idea cuz it would be kind of ripping off their concept right, and I don't want right. to have like bad blood with any kind of YouTuber especially if it, if it was someone that I looked up to so I yeah. tweeted her and was just like can I do this idea too because like I thought it's something I could do but um she was like yeah sure of course you can do that you don't have to ask me and then after that she actually like private messaged me and was like do you want to work with me so I was like whoa of course (laughs) (laughs) and then like yeah and then after that I worked with her a little bit and then from her connection I worked with like some other YouTubers in that company a bit and then there was like another time where I was like filming a dance video for a friend and when I was filming the dance video, a random guy w- walked up to me and was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm just filming a dance video. And he's like, I actually make videos for a living. Like, give me your email and let me see your work. And then that actually led to like a bunch of jobs as well. And then there's like another job where it's just like I was helping out. Like, I was just helping out my friend. But then like one of the people that was involved in that shoot was like oh I actually have a friend that needs a video editor do you want to work with them and then we got connected and I started working with him but just like yeah like connection like just connections from anything not like yeah like oh I'm in the filmmaking group where like it's just like yeah you can get connected in any way and just make friends in any way and then the more people you meet the more opportunities I think you get yeah that's actually that that rings so true because um Whenever I tell, whenever I meet anybody new and they ask me like what I do for a living and I end up telling them that I do like videography on the side, they're always, they always know somebody 
who or it's themselves who can utilize that skill or needs that service. And so they always keep you kind of uh, fr- top of mind. So yeah, that's definitely how it uh, how it can can benefit yeah. you for your business, too, yeah. as well. And I did a lot of wedding videos for friends when I was younger, too. Like, really? Before, yeah. Like, I, I used to go to church and I still like I still am a Christian and stuff. But um, when I went to church, like people got married so much and I would be doing so <laughs> many weddings and I was so busy. But it was a good experience. I was like, wow, we have like three weddings this month. And I'm like, I'm so busy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I hope you were uh, I hope you were getting paid for those, because I know sometimes when we do projects for for friends or family, they they want it on yeah, the, I on didn't the really low. Get paid. <laughs> but I learned Next time. I think I think like <laughs> I used to do lots of free projects when I was like younger and mm-hmm. I think that was good for me because I wasn't really a professional at that time but I think not like the more the less time I have and the busier I have gotten the more I'm like oh I need to learn to say no or like negotiate or like figure out what I want to do because I don't want to just be wasting my time doing projects that I don't aren't necessarily passionate about and I think I've gotten much better with that and I even have told my friends that have started freelancing like this is what you need to do because you don't want people to take advantage of you so I've gotten much better at, at it. That's yeah, that's great to hear. That's what a lot of um, even a lot of guests that come on the the show have talked about before that they have trouble kind of setting their own boundaries for their company too, and knowing your worth and knowing when to charge someone and how much to charge. Because right now I'm just kind of starting out on my filmmaking journey, and I'm doing the free to fee method for a few different projects that I'm working on. But you know, I'm doing that in order to kind of gain the experience, add to my reel, see how a shoot goes, learn the ins and the outs. And then I know after that experience, I then have something to kind of, I have some work to to show and I can kind of start at the, you know, the lower ranks of payment and move on up. But I think, um, I think it's actually beneficial for everybody to start doing things for free because it really takes the pressure off of the project and off of yourself as the filmmaker. For sure. I, if I did wedding videos from the beginning as paid projects, I think I would be so nervous. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad yeah. I did a bunch of free ones because I'm just like, let me just do my thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Ha- yeah. Have fun with it for sure. <laughs> yeah. How did you so, like what did what was the big inspiration for you to start making videos? If I can ask. That was so kind. No one's ever asked <laughs> that. That's so funny. Kind of caught me off guard. Uh, The big inspiration for me. So um, it's funny. I think I started in front of the camera a lot. I've been a public speaker for a long time. I did it as a kid a lot because I don't know if you've heard of 4-H. Have you heard of that? They're like agricultural clubs. I grew up on a farm. We had had a farm uh, with like alpacas and goats and chickens. I love alpacas. Oh my (laughs) gosh. I've been to like an alpaca farm with only alpacas. That's like the level of alpacas I love. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We had two alpaca farms in our family. So that was like the main thing that we had. But I would always, um, the 4-H clubs would require you to learn a lot about the animals and then present it to the public by way of, um, you know, fairs that would happen, county fairs and um and presentations and competitions and things like that so I always loved kind of commanding a room and being in front of the the room and doing the research and then being able to relay that information and then uh, when I got to high school my I went to a high school that had a uh, a television and a radio program 
So I ended up kind of naturally gravitating towards that. But I also did some theater, too, because as a, you know, that I think that's that's kind of where a lot of us, I feel like, have started. And then I realized, like, okay, I have more like creative control if I am in behind the camera instead of in front of the camera. So that's kind of where that shift happened. But I actually started as a um, as a radio host. For um for a country music radio station. Whoa! And I now did you that. have your I was own a radio podcast. DJ. That's so, yeah, full <laughs> circle moment here. So yeah, that started. I did that for four years, all through through high school, and then I I chose a you know when I went off to college, I chose a television and radio program, and then I I switched to to filmmaking and video production. Um, but I think the thing that really attracted me to it because I've always been fascinated with commercials growing up too. I loved the idea of commanding someone's attention and being able to kind of um, persuade them because there was that kind of public speaking aspect to it too. Uh, persuade them in a matter of 30 seconds or less. Oh, it was something yeah, that was yeah, so, yeah. so captivating. And then of course with the, the invention and the ever-growing popularity of social media, that's all we have. And it's even less than 30 seconds now. It's five seconds. It's, you know, 15 seconds. Yeah. So I just, I'm fascinated with that. So I started to, uh, when I went to college, I actually was doing kind of studio production, you know, news anchoring, things like that. It wasn't until I graduated college where I started DSLR filmmaking and just, Mm. you know, being kind of a one-woman show taking my my DSLR camera that I have out, filming something, editing on Premiere Pro, packaging it all up, putting it on my YouTube channel, putting it on my social media. So kind of being a self-sufficient creator was not something I learned with my formal education, but was something I kind of had to to figure out on my own. But that's what I'm hearing a lot about. Um, it's kind of a common thread with a lot of creators is just, you know, one day getting the inspiration to pick up pick up your camera go out and create and realize like you have a real passion for this and you can keep doing this and there's money to be made with it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for asking. That was, (laughs) that was like the highlight of my day. Thank you so much. (laughs) So, so I kind of explained that my dream projects are those like short 30 second or less kind of promo style content whatever style video Mm. um what would you say your dream project to work on would be Ooh, good question (laughs) um i really like music videos because i get inspired Mm. by music all the time and sometimes i think a lot of filmmakers probably do this but when they're like listening to a song you like imagine the music video in your head and i'm like oh my gosh if i can make music videos to my favorite songs that would be so much fun because i'm already imagining them anyways and just being like ah this is so cool but um i also really want to do travel filmmaking and i Mm. don't think i do enough i haven't really tried to do enough of it but yeah i want i think i love to travel and i know so many people love to travel but I guess right. if I could do that while making videos, I'm like, that's the dream where I could travel for free and just make films and tell stories yes. about locals <laughs> and learn about the culture and eat the food. I'm like, wow, that sounds like vacation as your job. But yes. I know it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of work, but I also love to like document my trips. And when I mm. go to different places, I always love to make videos about it. Because um, it's more, it's actually more for me where I'm like, wow, I can yeah. look back on my trips and it's just like so much fun and I can just relive the moments again. And it's been especially 
good when it's been during COVID where I'm like, wow, I can't travel at all. And I look back or I edit one of the old videos where I'm like, wow, it was so much fun. And I can like relive it again and really remember what I did because I think so much, a lot of it is like when you, when you go somewhere, you get so busy and you can't remember like everything you did. I think you you can remember like a few highlights, highlights, I think, but it's hard to remember Mm -hmm. everything. But I realize like when I document it, I'm not like trying to like document everything to make it look good it's more just like i'm just documenting a few things to just remember it so i don't know it's just like it's always just a fun thing for me and i do want to do it more professionally too where i'm like really thinking about the shots and like getting cooler shots if i can do it as a job obviously but yeah i've just been doing it for fun and i usually do it with friends that aren't filmmakers so a lot of times i'm just kind of like shot here shot here but it's not like (laughs) i'm taking my time but i just yeah like traveling and filmmaking are like two of my biggest passions so i'm like if i could combine those i would love that and i also want to do more like short films and film like just like films in general and i also love pixar so i'm like if i could work (laughs) with pixar someday that would be the best but yeah that's like a bunch of things that i would love to do in the future well that's so Let's talk about like the practicality of travel filmmaking. How does one I have to I have to get somebody on the podcast who's actually done it because yes, whenever I, I think about whenever I think about like how you actually get into something like that, like like um who was it? Parker Wallbeck ended up working for mm. Devin Super Tramp and was able to travel all over the world and so do stuff cool. like that. Creating videos. Yeah, creating videos for his uh his YouTube channel and going on these incredible adventures. Now he gets paid to do that just with his own company. But, you know, for the everyday person like you and me finding, you know, opportunities to, to be able to travel like that. Cause that's the other thing, like all expense paid travel, sign me up, being able to take my camera and, and document not only my personal, you know, for my personal uh, collection, but also um, for a company or for a mission or something. That's awesome. And I just, I, I'm going to have to try to track. So if you guys are listening to this and you have uh, any female travel videographers, please hit me up and let us know because uh, that's something that I think a lot of people aspire to do, but they just don't know how to get started. Yeah. I mean, I have like a guy friend that is kind of like a travel filmmaker, but I think from knowing him and how he got started was he actually just like went on a trip with his friends that are like filmmakers as well or video Mm. creators as well and they just really like documented their trip the way they wanted to show it and I I think that's like now I have something that I can show people what I'm capable of and that and I think that's like a lot for like a lot of jobs where like you just build your portfolio through projects that through your passion projects and then they slowly become for work because you already yeah. made those projects before and now clients can kind of rely on what you can make but that's at least for him I think where like he just was really good at it doing it for fun and now he's doing it more professionally yeah yeah that's that's awesome too and that's uh it becomes a little bit harder to balance the whole p- passion project thing if you're a full-time 
creator if you're yeah. a full-time freelancer because yeah, um like sure. you were saying before when you had that that kind of steady reliable gig where you know you could work as many hours as you want you didn't necessarily have to worry about money if you wanted to go and shoot a bunch of passion projects and I'm in the same boat I have a full-time job at a tech company so that's my day job and I just mm. get to make videos for fun on the side um which is why I always say I will never go full-time because uh the the pressure I'd imagine that that might come with I think might take the passion away from me for a little bit full-time freelance yeah oh yeah yeah are you technically full-time freelance at the moment right now I'm actually full-time for another company a furniture company called Koala it's like an Australian mattress company but I make videos for them and I wasn't I was I was freelancing for them but they somehow convinced me to be full-time for them so right now I'm doing full-time and freelance yeah Okay, yeah. And do you like that balance again, just like you had that other gig before? I love to do freelance because you can do so many different jobs and you can be a little bit more selective of the jobs you do, especially if you are doing a full-time job and you're not really doing it for money. So I understand why you wouldn't do full-time freelance. But at the same time, I'm like, wow, I don't have any time to do my own projects because I'm so busy with full-time and freelance. So I'm like, oh my gosh, passion projects. I'm like, why am I? I think when I was younger, I was like, I'm never gonna, like, I work to do my own passion projects. So, and now I'm like, whoa, if I don't have time to do my own passion projects, what am I even doing? So I'm kind of in that stage where I'm like trying to figure out the best balance for me. But it's hard because I really enjoy freelance and then my full time job, too. I I enjoy it and I'm still learning from them. So it's kind of like, what do I want to do? But yeah. Right. Right. And we're still young. You know, we have we have a bunch of time to figure it out. But that's the thing. I think one of the biggest guides that I have for my life and my career is just if I'm if I'm getting bored or if I'm no longer learning something new, it's not the opportunity for me or I mm. need or I need to move on from it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So aside from, you know, working your full-time job and trying to find time for passion projects and freelance, you're also continuing with your YouTube channel. Is that correct? That is true, but I haven't been posting so much recently, so I can't really say that, but yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if you don't have time for any of this other stuff, I can't imagine cranking out YouTube videos yeah. I still do well. passion projects, but I haven't really been able to do YouTube recently because I've been trying to also make songs and do some other stuff for the songs, but I... Yeah, I'm still super passionate about making my own YouTube videos. Just it's been pretty hectic recently. And I started doing full time in March. So that's also kind of the time I start stop making music video, stop making YouTube videos just because I've been packed with freelance jobs as well. Right, right. But let's talk about your your YouTube journey a little bit there. So, what would you say the biggest challenges that you face being a YouTube creator? My biggest challenge is finding a niche because I don't like having a niche because I just (laughs) like making what I like to make. And I think that's how I started making videos to begin with. Like I just made videos that I wanted to make and I never really did it with a strategy and I still Mm -hmm. don't make it with a strategy because and I don't know if that's good or bad, but I guess YouTube has always been one of those things I just did for fun and never something that I was really pursuing as a career and I think that's why I enjoy it but at the Mm -hmm. same time I'm like if I could make money from YouTube or do like travel filmmaking as a job that would be amazing so it's kind of like a dilemma where I'm like should I really like niche down on my YouTube channel or should I just keep doing whatever I feel like making 
because I think that's also like the beauty of like doing things for fun just like doing whatever you want to make and not worrying about the money and having another job where you can just make money and like do something like I'm still like making videos so I'm still enjoying my job but then like YouTube can literally be anything where if YouTube was your job you would have to be kind of more selective I think like you would have to be thinking about views you would have to be thinking about what's gonna do good or what's trending a little bit more and I know Mm -hmm. like um do you want do you follow Sarah Dici yes oh so I I know (laughs) yeah (laughs) I mean I love I love her videos and I know that she says like one for me one for them have you heard that from her but um yeah like so I think I'm like oh maybe I should do that more but I guess like yeah my biggest challenge for me on YouTube is to like whether to like niche down or not I guess that's like yeah and to be consistent being consistent is so hard and like (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always like, I'm going to do it once a week. But I'm like, oh my gosh, if I did it once a week, I don't think I'm going to sleep. So I feel you. It's hard. I feel you on if that. I wasn't doing I... freelance, I think this could be something that is possible. But just like right now, I'm like, when I get too many freelance jobs, it's like full-time job, freelance job, and like hanging out with friends or like just like having a life outside yeah. of work, I think is good too. So yeah. 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 All while trying to just be a functioning human. Yeah, yeah. Like, sometimes you just, like, need to, like, clean your room or, like, do really, like, mundane tasks. So, I think, yes. yeah. I would, yeah. Or I do absolutely nothing, which is, yeah, <laughs> which is yeah. what I like to do. <laughs> sometimes I'm just so tired that I'm, like, I want, I want to get so many things done, but I'm, like, I just can't do it. <laughs> I totally feel you. I totally feel you. So, with your, your YouTube channel... Because so you have your personal channel and you've had a million personal channels um, yeah, so over many. the years, but you've also been like I said creating professional YouTube videos that end up on YouTube for other companies. Um, so have you learned anything about I guess what makes a video go viral or any kind of tricks of the trade you can share with our listeners today about successful content on YouTube? I mean, I think like. Yeah, I know I know strategies, but I don't know if I like sometimes they don't really work and I don't know the ingredients for a viral video because it's really hard. Like some things just go viral and you don't know why they went viral. And I've made viral videos before where I'm like, wow, this got like more than a million views. And that's like a lot for the channel. And I'm like, I have no idea how it got there. But <laughs> I do know that um, working with YouTubers as well, working for people that are full time YouTubers, you do they work really hard on the thumbnail. Like, that's Mm. something that they work really hard on. They also, like, I know that you have to work really hard at the the beginning of the video. You need to, like, catch the audience. And Mm -hmm. the audience retention is huge where, like, maybe you make the first three seconds really interesting. But if they stop watching it, then your video won't be recommended. Like, they need the audience retention is very important. So you just have to really, you just have to make a good video. That's, like, the most important thing. Like, don't. Yeah, don't be, just make, like, good content. And I think content has to be, whether it has to be entertaining or it has to be, like, informative. But, yeah. Yeah, so, like, maybe you want to make something for you, but if it's not going to be helpful in any way for them, they're probably not going to watch it it all the way through. But, yeah, just working for YouTubers, I think people work really hard on the thumbnail. I think they also work hard on the title as well. And then just making good good videos is probably a big thing and then 
yeah, like capturing the audience is also really huge. Where like I knew I know for ads at least because I make a lot of ads. When you make mm. ads on YouTube or like Facebook and stuff, the first three seconds or even less is huge. So if you don't make it interesting, then then they're not going to watch the rest of the ad. Where I think a YouTube video, if they clicked on it, they're probably already interested in the topic. But I think right. what's really important is to really actually talk about the topic. Like if you if you have a title of video that's like how to make a smoothie, for example, and then you only talk about it for like ten seconds of the video. They're not going to be happy, so don't lie. Like, maybe you want to make a clickbait title or clickbait thumbnail, but if you're, like, cheating your audience, then you can't gain their trust. And yeah, ultimately, they probably won't subscribe. So I think it's more important to be real with your audience and make titles and thumbnails that relate to the actual video where you can gain trust with them. And, and then once they do click on their, your video, it's like, oh, I want to watch more of their videos because it's more of what I'm interested in and not like clickbait titles, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that trust is actually a huge part of watching content on YouTube and actually subscribing to these YouTubers because thinking about my own personal experience, I watch a lot of YouTube content. I'd have it kind of running in the background all day while I'm working. And yeah, any clickbait kind of titles or anything like that, like I'm, I'm not interested and I'll just unsubscribe. Like I have no shame in that. It's like it's like sometimes I'll have an attachment to certain creators to where they'll they'll do something like that, and I'm like, ah, oh, why'd you do that? I'm still gonna follow you. I'm still gonna subscribe, but don't play with my emotions like that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but that's I think that's I think with everything that's on every social media platform too. It's just kind of building a rapport with your audience, and so they know what content to expect from you too. Um, and that's just I think all part of the strategy. And and for sure, I think like. Also, one thing I've learned out of making my own videos is, like, you don't know what is a good... I mean, I don't know what is a good video. So sometimes, like, videos where I'm like, this is, like, okay. And I, like, post it because I work hard, I worked hard on it. And then I'm like, wow. Mm -hmm. It did, like, better than, like, a ton of my other videos that I thought would do better. So, like, right. things can surprise you. So just, like, I think if you are consistent on YouTube, just, like, keep uploading. And I think it'll be interesting to know what does well and what doesn't do well because... Sometimes it might be exactly the opposite of what you actually thought. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like do some uh, experimenting if you Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. That's I something I need to do more of for sure. Experimenting and like seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work and just testing different things. Because, yeah, that's not something I've been very good at. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. But yeah, um, what is what would you say is the most rewarding part about having a YouTube channel for you? Ooh, I think. The most rewarding is just connecting to people and like and having like I don't know like emails saying like oh like this really helped me or like I do try to make videos that can relate to people or help people in a positive way because I do want to make videos about like be yourself do what you love and just like help people be more positive or just like share good vibes on the internet so when people say like oh like this helped me or like this made my day or like just like those like it could be a little comment or or more like a longer email but like those comments make my day and I'm like oh like this is why I want to make more videos to just like make people happy and like connect with people and some sometimes I share like more serious stuff on the internet like I try not to make it like a negative video but sometimes I share 
honestly of like my past and stuff and when people say like oh this is actually my story where I've done where I've had something similar happen to me I'm like whoa like like this yeah those things are really touching and it's like crazy to know like how many people have gone through the same experience as you when you feel like you felt so alone during that time so it's I think it's like good for them to know that they're not alone and it's also like good for me to know that I'm not alone so it goes both ways yeah, it's, it's building community. And also, I always say, like, with my videos, because I've done, I've tried the whole YouTube thing. I fell off, it, fell off of it a little bit, but I'm kind of deciding whether I want to continue with it or not. But um, there have been content. <laughs> I, you know what, I will, and I'll, I'll credit you for, for the, the inspiration <laughs> and the motivation to get back into it. But there's been videos that I post on my Instagram that, that um, you know, someone will message me about. And even if it's just one person, like they don't they don't even necessarily have to have such a like a deep connection to it but the fact that somebody saw my content and for whatever reason felt a need to to reach out and either just you know tell me hey like this was a great one or or share something personal like that that community building i think and that connection like you were saying is so powerful yeah, like it gives me huge. like a like a shot of dopamine like i'm just on top of the world whenever i i get a message like that yeah i think it's all about like for me, it's all about connection. And if I can connect people or tell stories that can impact people in a positive way, I'm like, then it's like totally worth it. Even if it's just like one person that's like, wow, that like really touched me. I'm like, oh, then I made it for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And I find it so, so touching because I know for me, in order for me to to comment on somebody's content or like it really does have to impact me. So I was like, mm. wow, like if I remember the feelings that I have when I'm impacted by content and, and they're giving this to me, it's just such a gift. Yeah, for sure. So we are wrapping up the interview here, Meg. Can you tell us about any exciting projects that you have coming up? I'm currently working on my own music video for a song I made called Jibundashku, which means be yourself in Japanese. And I think... Adobe is sponsoring it with the Adobe Creative Residency ah! project. If you have not done it, Kel, you should definitely apply because it's really cool. But um, yeah, I think that will happen in the next month because it's due end of this month. And then I'm also helping out with my friend's short film as the videographer. And do I have any other projects going on? Oh, I also won a short film contest for Best Musical Pitch recently. So I will be working oh, wow. with, um, yeah, I will be working with sponsors to make my short film in the future. That's amazing, Meg. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's really so exciting. Cool. I've like, I'm like, wow, I never really like won an award before. So I'm like, this is really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. It's so validating too. Yeah. Definitely. So where can we, uh, where can we find you on the internet, on the interwebs? Um, on Instagram, I'm at Meg Igarashi, M-I-M-E-G-I-G-A-R-A-S-H-I, that is my name, and then on <laughs> YouTube, too, you can just find me at Meg Igarashi, M-E-G space I-G-A-R-A-S-H-I, my name again, and I think on Twitter, too, it's just at Meg Igarashi, yeah, is that it? I think that's, like, basically all my handles. So. Yeah, we'll put them all in the yeah. uh, in the description it's box. It's all my name, so like, look them up, my name, and I think you'll be able to find me. Hopefully, unless there's a lot of me, <laughs> not sure. <laughs> right, right. We'll find out. <laughs> so, what is one thing about your story that you want people listening to this podcast 
to remember or to take away? Any piece of advice? Any anything that comes to mind? Uh, I have a f- I have a couple I think, but the first one would just be like, yeah, do what you love and just do what you enjoy because you don't know what can come out of it. So if you find something that you really love doing, just like keep working hard at it because that could end up being your career and you never know unless you just keep trying. So I would say like if you find something you love, like just keep doing it and keep doing it because you love it. Like not like you want to do a job out of it, but if you just keep getting better at it, it could end up being your job. So I think it's also it's so important to just follow your passions and just do them for fun and do what you love and just get better at it. And then another one would be just it's like I guess all kind of the same, but just to try like if you if there's like a contest or like or you want to make a YouTube channel, I think it's just like just like just go just go for it. You don't have to have the best gear. You don't have to be like super prepared. I don't think you're you'll ever get to a place where like you're gonna be 100% prepared to do anything. So just like try and see how it goes. And you can be bad at the beginning. I really sucked at making videos at the beginning. So you don't have to be good at making videos to make videos because you're you'll get good at making videos as long as you just keep making them. So I think just like always try always and always try and always do what you love. I love that. That's that's a perfect message and a perfect way to, to to end the podcast today. So my final question for you, Meg, is how can the viewers and listeners of this podcast support you as a filmmaker? Uh, maybe just check out my YouTube channel. <laughs> Comment, like, subscribe. <laughs> I don't know. I guess like, yeah. And wait, just support me personally, right? Yeah. Or just some more. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. If you can just check out my YouTube channel or just like and maybe just comment on one of them and say hi and let me know what you think it can be good or bad you can give me constructive criticism as well I'm happy to take it so yeah if you can just look me up on YouTube and check out a video I would be really happy awesome awesome so we know where to find you um Meg thank you so much for joining me on the show today it was a pleasure talking to you it was so cool to hear about your journey it spanned the course of several years and I feel like we got to a bunch of different topics but it was a really really great conversation and I look forward to staying in touch yeah for sure and uh, and yeah I really want to learn more about your journey as well so hopefully we can do like a part two if I or if I ever have a podcast I can have you as a guest absolutely All right, as always, thanks so much for watching and I'll see y'all in the next episode. Bye.